0: Everyone has something in their life that can be a stressor, but some people deal with their situations in more positive ways in order to take control. It's not difficult. You can do this, too. Welcome to Thinking Hypnotically, Living Mindfully with your host, Rusty Williams. In this program, you'll learn how using hypnosis and mindfulness can lessen the stress and strengthen your life. Now, here is Rusty Williams.
1: Well, good morning, everyone. Maybe it's good afternoon, maybe it's even good evening, depending on where you're and when you're listening to this. I want to welcome you back to another episode here of Thinking Hypnotically, Living Mindfully. And um, before I forget, don't forget to check us out. Check out our website, njhypnosistraining.com. And don't forget to follow NJ Hypnosis Training on Facebook. Our Facebook page is NJ Hypnosis Training. You can send me comments, suggestions, um, send anything, questions you have about um, anything we're talking about. In fact, there's going to be two questions later on today that came through that page that we'll be discussing. Um, and if this is your first time listening to the show, welcome. Welcome. This is the show where, as the uh, title suggests, we talk about all things hypnotically related and mindfully related. Um, I started last week, I think I asked you um, how your week was going. And I'm not going to ask, well, maybe I'll ask you that in a few minutes, but let me share with you how my week started. I start preparing for this show on Sunday nights. So Sunday nights, I Get everything together. I start formulating an outline of how I want the show to flow, what topics I want, in what order, um, and I kind of build it, build the show from there. I reach out to whatever guests I might have, one, make sure that they're aware, and and we go through, um, you know, what topics we're going to discuss, so they're comfortable. Uh, I would never want to ambush any anyone and catch them off guard. And I really start building the show on Sunday nights. So this past Sunday, um, we have two dogs, and. It was time to take the dogs for a walk. It was probably sometime after dinner, 6.30, 7 o'clock, we'll say, and the dogs had to go out, so my wife and I um, take the dogs for a walk, and it's dark, and where we live here in southern New Jersey, in the community, there are very few streetlights, so we have to bring a flashlight with us, and my wife, Elise, is walking one dog. I'm walking the other dog, and we're walking around the block, and We're literally next to each other. Well, the dog, she was walking, Rocky. Rocky decided he wanted to go sniff a bush in one direction, and the dog I was walking, Nico, he decided he wanted to stay and sniff something that was more important wherever we were. So my wife was holding the one flashlight that we were sharing. She walked away from me, maybe, I don't know, eight, ten feet, and she heard this boom, this bang, this clang. And she said, she turned around, I guess she turned around, it was pitch dark. And she said, what was that? Here, <laughs> I had walked right into a stop sign. And the only thing that stopped me was my head. So in other words, my head, and it wasn't the sign, it was the this the, the pole that the, the stop sign is on. And... Oh, if you can think of the, the cartoons back in the day when someone hit their head on a lamppost and there was all those squiggly lines and there was like the word boing or, and it, the person just looked dizzy. That's how I felt. And my wife came back and because I've had head injuries before, was thinking, you know, are you all right? Are you okay? And I, more than anything, at that time, I thought my ego was bruised. You know, I just tend to find accidents or they find me, how's that? I visited ERs more times than I can count in the past 10 years. We get back home and I'm rubbing my head and I'm thinking, man, this really hurts. My wife sees me and says, oh my God, there on my forehead is a vertical gash, a gouge. I don't know if there's a difference between a gouge and a gash. And the pain in my head was something that I was, I, it hurt to touch, it hurt to think about it. And Here's where this whole thing comes together. This week's episode topic is pain. And I thought, how appropriate that on the night that I start putting the show together, and this show's topic is pain, that here I am in pain. So I'm doing this show with a nice scab, gouge, gash, bruise, and it's even, there's a dent. Literally where, where the post was, there's a vertical dent in my head. So I'm coming to you live with a dent in my head, a gash, a scab, and a bruise in my head. And how appropriate that this episode today is going to be about pain. And so in the let, – let, let's keep going with the, with the humor side of it. How's that in the interest of humor? I found a quote from George Burns, the late, great George Burns. And here's a quote that he said about pain. He said, in those days, the best painkiller was ice. It wasn't addictive, and it was particularly effective if you poured some whiskey over it, particularly effective if you poured some whiskey over it. And I thought, yeah, okay, I get it. I was putting ice on my head, and uh, I don't think the whiskey would have helped. But he also mentioned in that, which isn't as funny, but it's kind of a great segue into The epidemic, I think, of what we're living with, with pain medications in our culture, in this country, maybe around the world, you can't go anywhere. Nobody's lives, there's no one listening to this. There's no one you know. There's no one I know that hasn't in some way been affected by the opioid epidemic. And that is the prescription, and in some cases, the overprescription, the overprescribing of pain medication. And this episode, today's show at least, we're going to talk about some alternatives to just putting a pill in our mouths to make the pain go away. And there's some very good alternatives. There's some very good modalities, some techniques that really, really allow us to live a life that might not be free of pain, but that certainly lessens the pain, makes the pain more bearable, it makes our lives a lot more productive. Our quality of life can, can really go up. And that's what this is about. We're going to be talking about mindfulness techniques, hypnotic techniques, and how hypnosis works, how hypno- mindfulness works to make us feel better with regard to physical pain. And if you remembered last week, last week I asked you to think about something that was less than positive. I think that's, that was in the beginning of the show. We talked about anxiety and stress last week. And I asked you just to think about something that was less than positive. And in doing that, I then suggested that you just stop for a moment and just focus on your breath. And if you notice that by just focusing on your breath, you weren't focusing on whatever that less than positive thing was, whether it was stress, anxiety, fear, worry, whatever. And even for those few seconds that you were focusing on the breath, you weren't thinking about that which was distressing you, that which was a problem in your life, just for those few seconds. And we talked about how that was mindfulness in its simplest form, and that if we practice that a couple times a day, that that would literally rewire our brains for the way we think, the way we deal the way we deal with situations. So if mindfulness and hypnosis can help us stop focusing on those negative thoughts, those emotions, those feelings, and change our brains to pay attention to, to be in the moment and to just be aware of what's going on in our lives in the moment so that we see all the positive things in life, then the question is, can mindfulness and hypnosis also help us to pay attention to the parts of our bodies that feel normal instead of focusing on that part or those parts which are in pain, that the part of us that's hurting? And lucky for us, the answer is Yes. Hypnosis and mindfulness have been found to be very effective in dissociating ourselves, distancing ourselves, separating ourselves from that physical pain. And when that happens, the quality of our lives dramatically improves because our comfort level increases as our discomfort level decreases. And we'll talk about that in, in a little bit too why we talk use words like comfort and discomfort instead of really strong words like pain. So these are very um, basic, simple techniques that we can use that can help us minimize the pain, lessen the pain, and in some cases actually not even think about the pain while we're going about our lives. In fact, right now, since I last talked about my stop sign incident, I haven't thought about the pain in my forehead because I'm focusing on what I'm doing right now. I'm focusing on talking into this microphone. I'm visualizing whoever it is out there listening to this, and so I'm not thinking. I'm not focusing. It, the pain's still there. I'm not making believe that I didn't walk into a stop sign and I don't have a a, a dent in my forehead. But I'm not thinking about it. I'm not focusing on it. So we're going to talk about we're going to talk today about how mindfulness, how hypnosis, can help us. Think about things other than the pain and actually increase and improve the quality of our lives. So here's a simple experiment. And we'll do this together. I mean, after all, obviously, you have nothing better to do right now than listen to this. So we might as well do this together. Real simple. Think about a time in your past, recent past, distant past, when you experienced physical pain. Now, this doesn't have to be catastrophic, horrendous pain. It could be where you stubbed your toe. Maybe you were barefoot walking through the house, you had little kids, and you stepped on a Lego. I don't think there's a pain in the world that can compare to stepping on a little Lego brick and bare feet. Maybe it's when you you cut yourself. Maybe you had a, a minor burn. Maybe it was sunburn. Whatever it was, there's no right. There's no wrong. Whatever first pops into your mind, just think of a time in the past when you experienced physical pain. Here's the thing our brains cannot recreate that the actual pain we can recreate and think about the environment we can think about the incident we can think about where we were what we were doing we can v- remember that we were feeling horrible but we can't recreate that physical pain at least for the most part we can't and that's a good thing that is really a good thing for us humans Because we can't recreate the physical pain. We can certainly recreate emotional, spiritual pain, can't we? We can think of a time in our past when we were hurt, when we were grieving, when we were upset. And we can bring it back as if it's happening right now all over again. So our brains allow us to recreate mental, emotional, spiritual pain. But they don't allow us to recreate that physical pain and that's a good thing for us but for a lot of us especially for those of us living with chronic pain we live in pain we we're constantly reminded of it we we can't escape and i'm, I'm using the word we here purposefully because i still live with chronic pain there's still a tumor in my spinal cord my nerve Endings are still being affected. The nerves themselves are being compromised, squeezed, and it's causing pain to go down my legs, down my butt, into my legs, um, causing all kinds of problems with, with pain and balance and mobility and things like that. But I'm not thinking about it as much. So I'm also living with chronic pain. So when I say we, I, I really mean that. When we live, people with chronic pain, we're constantly reminded of it. We can't escape it. We're reminded of our limitations, of all those times we had to make the phone call to our friends or family and say, I can't make it tonight. All the times we, we gave up going out, uh, maybe we had tickets for a show or, or we were supposed to go to dinner with a loved one and instead we found ourselves curled up in bed or on the sofa or whatever it was, maybe sitting on a heating pad. That's one of my favorite things to do, sitting on a heating pad. So for those of us in pain, we really can't escape it. And whether it's chronic pain or even acute pain, and that is pain that's, that's happening right now, that's instantaneous, that's more recent, chronic pain is pain that's been long-term. Mindfulness and hypnosis can help distract us, can help us not think about that pain so that we can go on with our life. Now, we've, at least I did when I got diagnosed and, um, with a tumor in my spinal cord and, and my life changed as I would say, dramatically without my consent. Pain became the enemy. I mean, pain was this enemy and I was going to defeat it. I was going to live with it. It was kicking my butt in the beginning more than I was even getting one punch and I was getting knocked out every round. But I I, I saw pain and then my family began to see pain as this evil thing, this horrible thing, this, this entity of sorts that had taken over my life, and I saw it as bad, I saw it as a horrible thing, and all you have to do is turn on the radio, watch TV, open up a magazine, and you'll see advertisement after advertisement of ways that you can get out of pain. So this this idea that pain is so horrible in in our lives is reinforced every time we watch TV, we listen to the radio, we open a, a magazine, and we see an advertisement for whatever pain medication it is and how effective it is, it, it, it's that subtle reminder that pain is bad and we're going to help you, this is coming from the advertisers or the, manufact- the manufacturers, we're going to help you get past this pain so you can get on with your life. So pain is this bad thing. And I think it's important to at least understand that pain serves a purpose. Well, it, it serves, at least the way I see it, two purposes. And this has been borne out by research and and medical folks and researchers. The purposes of pain are to warn us and to protect us. Pain warns us about something and it protects us from something. I mean, think about it. You touch a stove when you're a child. The stove is on. You don't go near that stove again. The pain is warning us about something and is protecting us about it. If you broke your leg, if you were having a heart attack, the pain that you felt is there to warn you to go seek medical help, right? If it also protects us, because let's say you broke your leg, you broke your ankle. Well, if there was no pain and you kept walking on that ankle, you would make the 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 break the 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 trauma even worse. So it protects us, just like that stove touching that stove as a kid. We're we reminded that hey, we we shouldn't do this. We need to stop. So there are there is a very real and useful purpose for pain in our lives. So we can't discount it. But once the purpose of pain has served its, its use, we no longer need it. And that's something that might sound, uh, you got to be kidding me, but think about it. Once we've been warned, hey, go see a doctor, something's going on. I was having horrible back pain. I went to a doctor. That pain warned me there was something going on with my back. It ended up being in my spinal cord. And then the pain also protects us. It protects me so I don't lift anything heavy. I don't bend the wrong way and make things worse. So it protects us and it warns us. But once we've been warned and we've gone to a doctor and we have become, we're made aware of, of what's going on, we no longer need that pain. We, we no longer have a use for it. And now we know it can protect us, so we can say, okay, pain, thank you. And I always thank pain, by the way, with my clients. I always had them thank thank pain. And we move on in our life. And just to give you one example of the power of the mind, just think about those times when you've, at the end of the day, you've looked down at your arm or leg and there's a bruise, a big bruise. And you think, how did I get that? Where did this bruise come from? Now there had to be enough trauma, there had to be enough force to hit your arm, your leg, wherever you found this bruise, to break the blood to break the blood vessels under your skin. And yet your mind was so busy focused on something else, maybe it was the task at hand, whatever it was, that your brain said, We don't have time for this pain right now. We'll deal with this pain later. We'll 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 take take a look at it later when you get home later tonight. That's the power of the mind when it comes to thinking about how we can become distracted, how we can dissociate ourselves from painful experiences. And how often do do, do we see the bruise, and after we look at the bruise, then the pain kicks in. Isn't that weird? You know, we we don't hurt at all, and then we look down and and we see the bruise, and then the pain kicks in. It's it's that visual reminder, it's that visual cue to say, "Uh uh-oh, something's wrong. But that's just one example of the power of the mind, of how... We can discount pain, how we can ignore pain, how we can say, now, nah, I'm not going to focus on this right now. I'm going to focus on other things in life. So if we can do that at an unconscious level throughout the day, you bang your arm, you, you bang your leg, and you your mind says, we don't need this pain right now, Mr. So-and-so, Ms. So-and-so, then imagine what you can do in a controlled situation where you purposefully train your brain, train your mind to ignore that kind of pain and that's what we're going to talk about as this show goes on in fact when we come back we're going to be joined by a hypnotist who specializes in pain management he is a phenomenal guy he, he trained me in, in pain management certification and he's gonna help explain we're gonna have a discussion on how our minds can discount pain that's no longer useful in our lives so when we come back we'll be joined by Ron Esslinger. And we'll be discussing how hypnosis, how mindfulness can help us deal with pain and the painful things in our life. And we'll do that in just a minute when we come back.
0: It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com.
3: Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com
0: It's your world. you're listening to thinking hypnotically living mindfully to reach the program today you're welcome to call in to 1-888-346-9141 that's 1-888-346-9141 if you'd rather send rusty an email his email address is 13.rwilliams at gmail.com now back to thinking hypnotically living mindfully
1: Well, welcome back, everybody, and remember, you can check out uh, njhypnosistraining.com. You can send me an email at 13.rwilliams at gmail.com, and follow us on Facebook, NJ Hypnosis Training's page on Facebook. Send suggestions, requests, um, thoughts, ideas, alibis, whatever it is you want to send, send that into there. We are lucky today, and I say lucky, maybe fortunate is a better word, to be joined by someone who I think is a very special person. Um, Ron Esslinger is joining us now. Ron is a retired Navy captain. He's a registered nurse and certified registered nurse anesthetist. He's also a board certified and master instructor of hypnosis, specializing in pain management. Ron is an award-winning hypnotist practicing clinical hypnosis since, well, before I graduated high school, 1978. He's a sought-after teacher and presenter and lectures extensively to medical and nursing organizations around the world. And he's widely known in the hypnosis community as the person to learn pain management from. Ron, welcome to the show.
4: Thank you so much, Rushy. I am appreciative of being here.
1: Well, and I'm appreciative of having you here. And I, I want to start out by letting our listeners know how this came about, because if not for Ron Eslinger, I would not be doing this show right now. Let me explain. In, in the very first show that, that we did a few weeks ago, I mentioned how my wife down an advertisement for a hypnotist in our area advertising hypnosis for pain management. And she took me to that hypnotist uh, kicking and screaming basically against my will and said, no, we're going to try this. That hypnotist uh, hypnotized me. I learned how to control my pain. And after just two sessions, I went from seven different pain medications down to two different pain medications. That's all I take now if I need them. Um, And then that same hypnotist who hypnotized me is also a hypnosis instructor. So she certified me in hypnosis. And after I was certified, the very first advanced level certification course I took was in pain management, hypnosis for pain management. And I asked her, who do I go to? What course should I take to become certified? And she said, well, there's only one guy you want to go to, and that's Ron Esslinger. And Ron, here you are today. And you certified me. I took your course. And so I need to thank you because if not for you, again, I wouldn't be doing the show right now. And you're welcome. So I, I appreciate it. So I'm sure our listeners would, would want to, at least I, I wanted to know, a nurse anesthetist and a hypnotist. I love the fact that, I com- that you come from a medical background. But how did this come about? How did you come about from going from nurse into hypnotist? Was it by accident? Was it by design?
4: Well, I had uh, hypnotized my sister back in the 60s, and that got around to my wife when we got married in the 70s, and she asked me to hypnotize her, and I told her I didn't know how to do that. I just read a book and done it, so she said read a book, but you talk about (laughs) synchronicity. Within a two or three weeks, my professional CRNA journal came out the, from the American Association of Nursing and and there was a course in New Orleans. I live in Tennessee. Three days on hypnosis as an adjunct anesthesia, I took that course. Three days. I feel so in love with hypnosis and using it in the operating room with my patients that I took another course right after that. And I opened a practice with basically three days of training. And that was in 1979. I opened the practice. And I've had a practice even through my military career up until this day. I've always had an office and a practice from that time to this time. That is and it phenomenal. was, I'm, I'm going to add one thing to that. It was the Navy then that recognized what I could do and sent me away to become an instructor of hypnosis and put me in a pain clinic for one day a week, eight, eight patients every Wednesday for chronic pain management. And I did that for over four years.
1: That is amazing. That is, I, I, the fact that, by the way, thank you for your service, sir. I, I think it's it's amazing and, and to be able to do not only learn hypnosis and, and you've like you said you fell in love with it and, and you have a passion for it but to be able to help those who are out there protecting our freedom i just think it's you know again the synchronicity whatever you want to call it i think that's just phenomenal so what kind of people do, do you see i mean you see people for payment what kind of people come to you What well, what are the problems that people come to you for as a hypnotist
4: well, it seems like lately we've had an amazing number of people with panic attacks and anxiety. We've, uh, I've, have gotten about three calls this week already. We've seen one person this week. Of course, I saw a smoker this week, and I've got a guy coming back who, uh, who's having a lot of grief because his wife died. Less than a year ago, and he was there when it happened, and he's got PTSD from it. I work with the EMS and do classes for them. Uh, We actually just created a course called Stress Anxiety to PTSD to Suicide because that seems to be a a big problem in that community. Uh, So I am, even though I do a lot of pain management, I'm a general hypnotist. I see any and everything that comes here, from sports to selling stuff to uh, to salesmen to people who just want to be able to get up and do presentations. I just finished twenty hours with our chamber uh, on just how to do presentations, how to do, how to be, a, how to get over speech fears, and then went into uh, how to do uh, creative um, uh, critical thinking. Uh, so, uh, my book is entitled uh, 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 Hypnosis, Putting the Imagination to Work. That one of them. That's the one that most people are interested sure. in. So there is nothing you can't work with with hypnosis because 85% of every problem out there is usually based on stress. So if you can work with stress, even on yourself, just doing meditation, you're going to take care of a lot of your problem. There you go. Amen to that, right? So real quick,
1: and and this isn't a medical class, and and by the way, your course was probably one of the most – I was a police officer. I'm an ordained minister, but way before that, I was a paramedic. So taking your course, and for those listening, Ron didn't just give a course on how to – different techniques, and this is the technique you do for pain. Ron's course – was borderline reminding me back of going into my anatomy and physiology training and courses. I mean you made us you made us earn that certification. And one of one of the, the questions that I had going into that was, and again if you can just make this so that I can understand it, Ron, how does hypnosis work? I mean in a real briefly, how does it work for someone in, in pain? How does it make the pain either not feel like it's there, or how do we become so distracted that we're not paying attention to it? If you can just give us a real quick synopsis of that.
4: Well, the easy answer is nobody knows. The secondary answer to that is there are certain things that happen. So if you can look at how those things happen and realize there is no pain until it gets to the brain. Yep. So, therefore, you've got an electrical impulse that goes to the uh, spinal cord. And once it gets to the spinal cord, it turns into a neuron. And then that neuron is sent up to a gland uh, in the brain called the thalamus. Now, the thalamus gland works out where we are within our emotions at that time. So, therefore, depending on what your emotion is, it would be like, okay, you're angry and you stump your toe. Well, there's a few curse words that may come out. However, if you're having a good time, say, playing a sport, and you could even break an ankle or even a bone and not even know it, or how many of you out there have gotten home and had a bruise, but you don't know how you got it. So, a part of that is emotionally, where are you? Another part is what is your expectation, But then there's that part of the brain, uh, we call it the critical factor. It's nothing more than the uh, the front lobe, the front cortex. And what it does is it takes everything and defines it according to our past experiences and creates chemical responses. And that's why you hear, if you change your thinking, you put out different chemicals in the brain, which is going to give you a different response. Think about eating a lemon. You think about eating a lemon, the brain starts, for a lot of people, they'll get pain in their jaw, they'll start salivating, they'll make faces, when in actuality, they're not eating a lemon. But the brain doesn't know they're not eating a lemon. Now, just a few years ago, I went to Yale University to the... uh, uh, medical School for Neuroscience because of, of headaches to deal with, okay, what do you do to work with headaches? Again, it's all those other chemicals that become triggers that our thoughts create. So, to control your thought, you're going to control your, respo- your response to basically everything in life.
1: Wow. That makes, uh, you know, the, the way you explained that. It brings it all together, and we talked last week. Last week's topic was stress and anxiety, and I guess we could also add anger and depression and grief, and the emotional response, at least for me, when I separated the emotional response from the physical feeling of pain, I found that I was no longer suffering with it, if that makes
4: sense. Yeah, you had a good, instru- you had a good hypnotist that understood I, the process.
1: Well, she learned from someone, I guess, who knew what he was talking about, Ron. Um, so... I, when, when I removed the emotional component, the anger, um, when I after I was diagnosed and, and everything I lost socially, um, friendships, um, not being able to, to do the things I wanted to do, there was anger, there was resentment, there was grief. I was grieving a loss of something. Um, once I was able to remove those emotions from the physical sensation, it became exponentially better literally overnight, well, not even overnight, literally when I walked out of her office after the second session, it, it was it was better from then and it's never gotten, it's never changed. So, I, I
4: Isn't it to- amazing how simple that was for you to do once yeah. you knew what to do?
1: And, and I think we, we, we fall in this trap of thinking the more complicated the solution, the more complex it is, the longer it is, the better it's got to be. When in reality, so often in life, it's the most simplest thing things that create the 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 best outcome for us. Um, So a question came into Facebook, and I'm gonna share this with you. And I know I know you're pressed for time, so I do want to get at least one question in that someone sent this in through the Facebook page, NJ Hypnosis Training. And the question is this, and I don't know if this was kind of trying to be a wise guy or whatever, isn't it just a placebo effect where you feel better for a while? but then the pain's going to return.
4: How would you you answer that? I'd say evidently that person does not know how to Google, or he would (laughs) already know the answer to that question. Uh, What the uh, National Institutes of Health say about it is they associate placebo with a deceptive process. And the other thing about placebo It's an expectation, but hypnosis can be measurable, placebo cannot. You can measure the depth that a person goes into into hypnosis, whether it's light hypnosis, which is nothing more than maybe daydreaming and and creating a a nice feeling, or a middle state, moderate state of hypnosis, where you can actually start working on weight management, pain management, or that very deep state, which about 20% of the people can get into, which those are the ones you hear went to the dentist, had surgery, uh, had all types of procedures done, and they did it very quickly, very easily with hypnosis. You cannot measure that with a placebo. A placebo is an expectation. And hypnosis, they say they say that a placebo is anything that seems to be real in a medical treatment but isn't. So if I tell you this pill is going to help you, it's going to change your mood. It's going to change your expectation. But there is a huge belief factor there. And so once you change that emotion, just like you said, if I believe this is going to help, it's going to help. If you expect it to help, it's going to help faster. And if you allow yourself to have the right self-talk, do the right meditation, do the right affirmations, the body chemistry starts changing. And it's that chemistry that is the science of what we do. There's a great video out there, and most of your people may have already seen it. You can, I don't know where it's available, but you, you can purchase from Amazon. It's called, What in the Bleep Do We Know? And that explains how the brain works and how a thought will secrete chemicals of things that have happened to us in the past. So if we want to create new chemicals, we have to look at that situation in a different way and think of it in a different way. It's what you did with the suggestions you were given when you walked out of that, uh, out of your, uh, your hypnosis office. Now, one of the things I tell my clients is this. I'm going to give you some suggestions. Only you will choose which suggestions you will accept. If you choose to accept a suggestion, then you've automatically entered your own self-hypnotic state. And those suggestions will begin to work. If you don't, if you don't expect them to work, or don't want them to work, or don't want them to work, then they're not going to work. Right. And it don't always go the way you want to. Yesterday, I've got a guy in here who's been smoking for fifty years, and I'm going through all this process with him. But in hypno and I tell him, whatever you think is going to be your suggestion. So I did a. Uh, a review with him when I brought him out of hypnosis and I says anything you want to share with me he said yeah I was thinking I want a cigarette and I said well then that is your suggestion there you go and, I t- and so I said oh, here's your decision now we can continue this so you can quit or you can decide that you don't want to go on I'm not going to charge you for the session and I'll give you the CD of what we did but you have to choose that was for me to find out how serious he was. He chose to come back for the to finish up the four sessions. Right. But again, it's what you're thinking. Gotcha.
1: Well, and I and I love that idea because we, we we have this mindset, and I think pain is so powerful that you know how can I get past this? But I think when the person, at least I was willing at that point to try anything. That when you you I love the fact that whatever you accept <coughs> as a suggestion is your suggestion. And I love the fact that this person came back, number one, but number two, the way you explained it, Ron. And only you can explain things. And then for those of you listening, now you can see why Ron is that guy that we all go to for, to, to learn about pain management because Ron just has a way of, of seeing things hypnotically and then teaching them. It's one thing to be a good hypnotist, Ron. Uh, to be an instructor is even better. Ron, I, I know you have to run. Where can our listeners find you? How can they contact you if they, if they want to get in touch with you?
4: Well, there's three ways. One of them is I have a huge YouTube presence, so they just put in my name in YouTube, and there's lots of free information there. Uh, also, if they go to, the name of my company is HealthyVisions.com, HealthyVisions.com. If they go there, they can also get access to my blog and to a lot of free resources, and again, a lot of uh, other products if they're interested, but I give away more free stuff than I charge for. I sure I so. sure do. sure do. Well, Ron, to,
1: go, ahead. go ahead. No, I just want to. I just want to thank you for giving up. I know, I know. you have a busy, a busy day ahead of you. You have a lot of things to do today down there in Tennessee. Um, we're up here in the cold, um, New Jersey uh, gray, dark day right now. But I want to thank you. And listen, if down the road, can can I bring you back? When there's so much we can talk, but I'd love to have you as a guest again.
4: I would love to come back and maybe take some calls. Also, I've got two courses coming up to be a hypnosis, uh, a, a certified hypnotist, one in March and another one in May. And they so can find that
1: on your website? They, it's right there on the website. Perfect. So we'll go to healthyvisions.com. Awesome. Ron Eslinger, thank you so much for joining us. And folks, when we come back, we're going to be talking more about pain, how powerful that word is, and how we can just give that self-suggestion to ourselves that Ron just talked about and we'll be back in just a few moments
3: it's your world motivate change succeed voiceamericaempowerment.com
0: you're listening to thinking hypnotically living mindfully to reach the program today you're welcome to call in to 1-888-346-9141 that's 1-888-346-9141 if you'd rather send rusty an email his email address is 13.rwilliams at gmail.com now back to thinking hypnotically living mindfully
1: Oh, welcome back, everybody. Well, I'm going uh, to thank Ron again. Uh, remember, you can check out Ron's website, healthyvisions.com, unless you want to go right to the store and see all the uh, products and uh, all the services he offers. And uh, again, Ron is the one who certified me in in pain management, so it was an honor having him on. Uh, Ron mentioned, uh, as he was talking about the research from the National Institutes of Health, and uh, we talked about synchronicity. Well, here you go in preparing Sunday night. After I hit my head on the stop sign, I gathered. I, I keep piles and piles of research. I'm one of those guys. If it's not research, um, if it's not peer-reviewed journal proven, I don't, I don't use it. Um, and so I keep logs and logs, and um, I have all kinds of um, websites saved and bookmarked and all that um, that has research. And here's what I found in, in collecting everything Sunday night for today's show. As far back as 2004... The National Institutes of Health recommended hypnosis, mindfulness, and meditation for chronic pain, acute pain, post-surgical pain, that is pain that you get after a surgical procedure, because they reviewed what they called the evidence for mind-body therapies, the evidence for mind-body therapies. And they found them to be so compelling that they published their own recommendations that the medical community start using mindfulness. Start using hypnosis, start using meditation, what they called mind body therapies, as not just an adjunct, but also as a frontline way to deal with pain. We're going back, you know, 15, 16 years already. And there was another research uh, that I just want to share with you a study published um, just this last November in the Journal of American Medical Association's Internal Medicine magazine. And these were researches at the University of Utah. And if you remember, I, whether it was last week or the week before, I talked about studies and how the best studies are what are called meta-analysis, and that is research that is a study of studies. Well, these folks at the University of Utah, the researchers, researchers, reviewed 60 studies. So they looked at 60, six zero studies involving more than six thousand four hundred patients, and found that mind-body therapies such as mindfulness and hypnosis improved pain relief and reduced opioid use. And so we started the show by talking about what at least I believe is the need to reduce opioid use in this country, the need to relieve pain so that we can feel better. And Ron talked extensively actually on how the, the mind and body are really connected. How what we think of we kind of make happen in our body. So if we think about something, we actually can can in a way make it happen. I think about the pain in my head that I was having, and now I'm think now I'm remembering the pain, and there it is. Now I got to think about something else, by the way, so I can get rid of this pain in my head. Still this big dent, but there's such a um, a connection, a very strong connection between our mind, what we think, how we feel, and how it expresses itself in the body, and so it wasn't just researchers. And by the way, there are thousands upon thousands of articles out there that, that you can find. Ron said, you know, maybe this person didn't Google when he was asking about the placebo effect. Um, if you're going to Google, if you're going to do research, Google's great but go to Scholar, Google Scholar. That's scholar.google.com, and that's where all the peer-reviewed journals are. And there's thousands of articles, thousands of peer-reviewed journals, thousands of research, research articles, thousands of studies that you can find that talk about the efficacy—we'll use a big word—the efficiency of these things like mindfulness meditation, mindfulness-based mindfulness-based stress reduction, and hypnosis in controlling and managing pain. So. When we just say that word pain, we talked about the emotional side. Ron talked about our emotions or what we think. Think of that word pain for a minute. You know, pain is probably one of the most powerful words that we have in our language, isn't it? When we think of the word pain, we kind of associate ourselves into it. You know, I'm in pain. My pain feels like. When we go to a doctor, what does your pain feel like? As if we're taking ownership of it. As if it's my pain, I own it, this is who I am. And we start identifying with this person who's in pain. I'm in pain, it's my pain. Well, one of the things we can do, I'm going to spend the last part of this show talking about some different techniques that we can do, very simple techniques that that we can do that are real helpful without going to a hypnotist or someone who teaches mindfulness without learning. Learning it, by the way, is going to get past that critical uh, factor critical faculty, whatever you want to call it, that Ron talked about, where it really cements itself in the subconscious mind. But these are things we can do right now before we go to a hypnotist or after we go to a hypnotist or see someone for mindfulness and learn all the different techniques that can help us right now. And one of the things, the simplest thing to do is to take that word pain. If you're in pain, and by the way, that was just an embedded suggestion, and I apologize. For people who are feeling pain, and we'll talk about embedded suggestions in a whole nother show. If if someone is feeling pain, that word pain is very powerful. There's another word that is just as, means the same thing, but doesn't have the same power, doesn't have the same intensity, and that word is discomfort. And if I was ever to uh, rule the um, the healthcare industry, what I would do is I would take out the word pain. And I would change it with discomfort. I mean, discomfort means the same thing, doesn't it? I'm not comfortable. Pain isn't comfortable. But now it becomes, where's this discomfort? Not where's my pain. Where is this feeling of anything other than comfort? What does it feel like? As opposed to, this hurts, I'm in pain. And there's some simple techniques that we can do. And I'd like to give you some suggestions on how we can increase comfort. Because if we're talking about discomfort, the opposite of discomfort is comfort. So here's some simple techniques that I'd like to share with you how you can increase your comfort level while decreasing any discomfort. And the first suggestion I'm going to give you is to use what we call dissociative language. Instead of my pain, instead of this pain, call it that pain, or at least something neutral, the pain. But if you were to call it that pain, that pain in my knee, instead of my knee hurts, I have pain in my knee. If you were to say that discomfort, remember, we're going to change up pain with discomfort, that discomfort in my knee, and automatically the mind hears it. Remember, Vaughn talked about, you know, the mind processes things and it becomes your own self suggestion. And this happens at both a conscious level at and at a subconscious level, at an unconscious level. So that discomfort in my knee is a lot softer than my knee is in so much pain. And maybe that's, that, that makes sense. I'm just using the part of the anatomy knee right now. Um, I don't know why. Probably because my knee starts. See that? I just said it. And now my knees bother me. Isn't that amazing? So use dissociative language when you can. Instead of my and I'm in dissociative language is language that distances yourself. It's that pain. It's those things. And if you can put it in past tense, it's even better. That old feeling in my knee is there again. That old feeling in my knee is there again. Or the way it used to be. That that the, the way the way my knee my knee felt. Back then, using it in past tense, the mind hears it, and it sends it, you're distancing yourself one more step from that pain that you're feeling. And again, if I could rule the medical community, here's what I would do. We've all been to the doctors where you're asked what kind of what's your pain level and there's a zero on one side of the scale and there's an arrow a horizontal arrow going across and there's the zero on one side and there's a number 10 on the other and the zero has a frowny face and the, or the zero has a smiley face and the number 10 has a frowny face and zero being zero pain zero discomfort and 10 being the worst pain you can ever imagine and you're asked to rate your pain so you're already being reminded remember what Ron said it's a self-suggestion. Well, I must be in pain because I'm being asked about pain. What I would do is I would change that pain scale to a comfort scale. Instead of a pain scale, I would make it comfort. What is your comfort level? And I would flip it upside down. I learned this, by the way, from a phenomenal hypnotist called, uh, named Kelly Woods. And we're going to have Kelly on, a, on an upcoming show. And Kelly shared this in one of her books. I would make this a comfort scale. And I would have the best comfort, the best thing I could feel would be a number 10, right? If I'm feeling absolutely great, that's the number 10 with the smiley face. And on the other side of the scale is a zero where there's no comfort whatsoever and I could really use some help. Now I can move up because think about it. It's easier to move up and to make ourselves more comfortable than to try to get rid of pain. Even at a, Think about that at a conscious level. To say, well, just, just think about your pain being less right now. Well, isn't it easier to say, just imagine your comfort just being a little higher. Just imagine what that would feel like if your comfort was just a little higher. And these are very simple things that you can do. To, to, what, what was that, two or three things? Use dissociative language. If possible, make it in the past, past tense. Change the word pain to discomfort. So that discomfort, that old feeling is even better. Now we're not even using the word discomfort because your mind's not hearing it. Remember, our minds hear everything we tell them. So that old feeling in my knee is there. And now how can I make myself feel more comfortable? Not how can I get rid of it? You know, Try not to think of a pink elephant. Well, the only thing you can do is think of a pink elephant. How am I going to get rid of this pain? The only thing I have to do now is focus on the pain because that's what I referenced. So think about changing it to increasing your comfort level as opposed to trying to get rid of that pain. Increasing your comfort and take that scale, and if I could go to every doctor's office in the country, I would, and I'd say, no, you're reminding people too much about what kind of pain they're in. Instead, remind them that they can become comfortable. Yeah, it might not go off the chart, but if they can go from a comfort level that's way down low and bump it up one or two notches man, you've just made your patient feel better without any medication, without anything. So really simple, easy techniques that you can use and it will prove to you of the power of your mind. Because Ron said, and it's one of the things that if I had time, I was going to also share today. Pain, we, 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 this is what the medical profession says. Ron's a nurse anesthetist. He deals with pain. Pain isn't pain until it reaches the brain. And so when we can tell our brains that it's something other than pain, we're exercising that muscle of the mind. We're exercising that muscle that says, I've got this. I can do this. I can increase this comfort. And we can, again, change the way our minds, our wired, change, our thought process. We can change the way we feel about things, and we can dissociate ourselves, remove the emotional component, the anger, the resentment, maybe the fear, the worry the grief, and we can set that aside and deal with that separately. And then that old feeling in your knee doesn't feel so bad after all. So one of the other things you can do, by the way, real quick, is change the pain into something else. Think of it and make it something. If it's a, Imagine it being a color. Change the color of it. Imagine it being a certain shape. Change the shape of it. So in your mind, if you close your eyes and you imagine your knee was a big red circle, change it to a yellow square. Change it to a balloon. Change it to a green something. You'll be amazed at the power of the mind and how simple it is to do these exercises. And you're going to have great results. So that is going to wrap it up for this week. Next week, we're going to be talking about adversity and resilience with our guest, Linda Graham. Linda is a psychotherapist and author. She's a lecturer, and we're going to be lucky enough to have her with us for the show. So that'll do it for this week, everybody. Enjoy your week. Watch out for stop signs, and we'll see you next Wednesday. Take care, everybody.
0: Thank you for joining us this week for Thinking Hypnotically, Living Mindfully. Your host, Rusty Williams, invites you to tune in again next Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time and 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again next week.